0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Optional Opinion here on the Nominous Radio Network. I'm your host, ADV. Thank you guys for joining me again. This is part two of our Fire Emblem uh, discussion. With me, I have a special guest, Fouet Sakap. He is from the NBC Video Game Book Club and probably many other things. Um, welcome, Fouet.
1: Hey, thanks, man. Happy to be here.
0: Happy to have you. Um, we had scheduling problems, but that's okay. Uh, we get to talk about one of, uh, like, this. it has become one of my favorite games. Um, it, I think it's one of your favorite games, too, um, for mm-hmm. it.
1: Oh, definitely. It's one <laughs> of my favorite series.
0: Ah, yes, the series. Yeah. Um, and uh, Amanda Rudock, she did part one with me about Fire Emblem. So if you haven't heard, heard that discussion, click on it and give it a listen. Um, I do apologize for the technical difficulties with the sound. Let's just blame Google Hangout and their quality. Um, it's not really up to snuff. Don't know what's wrong with it. Uh, but it was such a great uh it's such a great discussion that I have with her. So do check that out um, and uh, follow her on Twitter. Uh, check out her Tumblr, her Etsy account, and everything. And I'll give more information about that uh, in the comments, in the dis- um, uh, description. Uh, but Fuet, uh how, how have you been? We haven't talked in a while.
1: I was going to say, it's been quite a while. Ironic enough, the last time I talked to you was during a discussion for Fire Emblem Awakening.
0: Yes!
1: So, ironic that Fire Emblem brings us back here.
0: Yes, I I think it's because... uh... We we after we had that discussion and we nerded out so much more on Fire Emblem, I'm just like we have to discuss this on optional opinion. Like we we have oh, I have to get in touch with these guys because you and Amanda are so knowledgeable about the series. And <laughs> um, for those who if you skip part one uh, but want to hear part two, because uh, of my guest. Um, I'll just reiterate some of the history of the Fire Emblem series. Um, it was developed by Intelligent System and published by Nintendo. Um started on the Famicom, which is the family computer in Japan, with Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light on April 20th, 1990. Um, it consists of 15 games and is considered as the RPG simulator. It uh, started out as a doujin project by Shuzo, Kaga, and three other developers. Um, he worked on mm-hmm. the series to Dar, uh, Dar, uh, Dar, uh, Darcia Seven seven six, and then he left the company. Um, the U.S. came to know it, know about it with Martin Roy showing up in Super Smash Brothers Melee on GameCube. I said, S- I, I accidentally mission the Super Nintendo and I was just like, no, this is the GameCube <laughs> game. It, it was a slip of the tongue. Um, Yuka no uh was the original composer who also composed the music for Paper Mario before she left, which I said in part one that you could watch the NBC video game book club discussion of Paper Mario with Amanda Fuet Um <laughs> uh, for the month of July. So check out the discussion. Really good. Uh, like I told Amanda that Adrian kind of made me laugh with just finding out that that character was a female. It was it's, oh, it's yeah. so, such a good discussion. So do check that out. Um, But let us start off. What actually got you into the Fire Emblem series?
1: So here's a crazy um, kind of fun fact. Uh, Before Melee came out, there was a VHS with um, a Fire Emblem anime in Japan. They made OVAs, which are basically another episode things. There's TV specials uh, companies make. They made them. They made two episodes of uh, an anime that basically told the story of Fire Emblem Gaiden. Uh-huh. And we got that anime like a billion trillion years ago, <laughs> and. I actually have the VHS of the dubbed ah. anime. And this this is like a few years before Melee even. So um, I saw Fire Emblem and I in my mind, I was like, oh, it's a great anime. I love it. Like, it's such a cool anime, animation. I never once assumed it was a game. Um, so when I saw Marth in uh, Melee, I was like, Wait a minute, what? His name's Marth? I thought it was Mars, and I thought like this and that, and uh, basically after Melee came out the uh, GBA game, due to Marth and Roy's popularity in Melee, and that's Uh. what kind of opened the floodgates for me. I was like, they made a game based off the anime, and I was very (laughs) misled, but I slowly learned that it was a huge game series, and it's like a huge strategy thing, and yeah.
0: Well, it's it's very weird because I didn't even know that it was an anime. Like, I knew nothing about Fire Emblem until they brought it over for the DS, um, mm-hmm. and it had the gold packaging. Um, I was telling Amanda uh, that I bought the game for twenty dollars when it came out, like, and not not no trade in. Um, I, oh, excuse, excuse me about that. I think GameStop was trying to get rid of it because nobody was really
1: buying it. Uh, wow. Sorry, is this Shadow Dragon on the DS? Yes,
0: I think it's the uh, it's the remake of Shadow Dragon.
1: Right, yes. I've heard a lot of bad things about it. To be honest, I haven't finished it myself, but it seemed alright.
0: Yeah, All right. I haven't finished it. Um, I was telling Amanda that uh, I was lost in the game. I, I really got lost uh, because... I didn't know what it was about. I it, I didn't know how to play the game. It kind of doesn't have a tutorial, so it doesn't teach you about the game. And it didn't. And mm-hmm. I didn't play the GameCube in weekends. Like I didn't play uh, majority of the series until Awakening came out. Um, because uh, a they were really hard to find in my area. Um, only like Best Buy and uh, GameStop would carry it, uh, but. I guess because it was written when it first started, actually, uh, to my knowledge, it was a really niche series here. Um,
1: You took the words right out of my mouth. I was actually about to say it was a very niche series starting up, and it's still like hard to find anything before Awakening in my area as well. Like, I'll hit up all the used game stores, and if uh, they happen to have a Fire Emblem game, it's over $100. Oh my god.
0: Goodness! I still have my DS game, so I I treasure that oh. <laughs> mainly. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um. Like, I don't know why it didn't I don't know why it has to came out to virtual console, uh, for Wii U and 3DS. Like that would be the best thing. I think they probably had to translate all of them, so it would be a lot of work for them to bring it over here. Yeah. So translate that, which I'm fine. Which I would be. Which if if they did that. And they were just like, okay, these games are going to be 24 99 like $25. Would mm-hmm. you pay the money to play that version if they translated and brought it over?
1: Now, this kind of goes back to, um, if you remember, Earthbound Zero, quote-unquote. Do you remember that, where they kind of brought in, like, the Earthbound game before Earthbound? Yes. How it's an older game, but it was localized. I think that... Um, due to that game's sales, that's kind of why there aren't they aren't doing that more often lately, but I firmly believe that if they tried it with a series like Fire Emblem, it would it would be big. Like there are people here who still love Roy in Super Smash Bros. Yeah. We've never gotten his game here. And um all the games before it, or original Fire Emblem, we kind of got with the DS remake, uh Gaiden, uh Theratia 776. Uh yeah, the list goes on.
0: Yeah, and I I didn't pull up the list to give the names of all the games because like most of them we just didn't get, um, so that's why we're just talking about the series kind of in general uh, and what we think about it. Um, yeah, I I put in maybe uh, some hours and then I stopped playing it um, the DS one because I was just so lost. I was just, but I I, I enjoyed being lost in that game because it taught me a new style of RPGs like I have never played strategy or tactical games I've never played Final Fantasy Tactics uh, Discaria mm-hmm. like even um, uh, Amanda she mentioned Orc Battle for the Super Nintendo and I and I told her I was afraid to play that game I always wanted to play it but it was a mm-hmm. new style of RPG that I wasn't used to so I've never played it so that's why I was kind of I wasn't hesitant on Fire Emblem um, I was just lost because it it was a IP from Nintendo that I just never heard of.
1: Right. Yeah, it, it definitely was that. It was um, the first game's sales, I honestly think, were responsible on, like, not only poor advertisement, but the fact that it's a whole new kind of genre. We haven't seen too much of it in the West, but... Over in Japan, that's a common like genre. It's a common subgenre of the RPG. You have yes. action, uh, numbers, and strategy. And strategy for them is all over the place. But for here, it was v- much more like just rare, I guess.
0: Yeah, because we we know RPGs as it was going to be the Legend of Zelda, regardless of how you see it. Um, it was Final Fantasy, Dragon Warrior uh were fi- more final fantasy than dragon warrior cuz uh oh, yeah. those games just came out and final fantasy was more popular here than dragon warrior was um like Dra- Sadly. I, yeah i th- cuz i think dragon quest didn't get popular here until dragon quest 8 um i know they got some game boy games and uh nintendo started doing like the remakes for uh 4 5 and 6 yes. um yes uh i know 8 was a big one uh, when they actually kind of finalized the Dragon Quest name, uh, seven is coming. Seven and eight now is coming out for 3ds, so people are getting being able to see it. People like Dragon Quest Nine on the 3ds. Like Dragon Quest took a while for that to get popular, but Final Fantasy was more popular. Um, and when it yeah. came to yeah, when it came to uh RPGs, um, here in America, Square Soft at the time were the king of it. So anything
1: that wasn't
0: earth like even earthbound wasn't popular until um
1: like 20 know, years later it pretty here much we is. are and it's like a cult classic whereas when it was uh originally in stores they almost like pulled it out of stores and put it in discount bins
0: yeah because i actually see uh they had it at Kmart here in america and i'm like Oh, what is the and it was the big box with the strategy guy in the game. And I didn't know nothing about Earthbound because like I think even at EGM there were no stories about it. They were if there was a story about it it was because you know this is a game in Japan like like Nintendo didn't market that game well. Uh like the showed...
1: slogan was this game stinks and then they put scratch and sniffs. That's terrible.
0: Right. <laughs> you know? And so I I didn't catch on uh, about that um, because I, definitely for me I was into Square Enix role playing games. Now when it came to Fire Emblem, uh, like I said, it was that it was a DS uh, that DS game. It it didn't take it to Awakening till I realized that oh man this this game is really really good. Like Fire Emblem Awakening kind of opened the door for people to realize what the series was all about.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that Um, because while they actually added in a few easy mode kind of things and, like, tutorials within the games, Uh it was never really done well until Awakening. It had a very good tutorial, a very good beginning fight, and it eased the player in, like, way better than any other game in the series.
0: Right. Because it's just like you you could lose all your characters in, like, the first battle in this game. And, and oh, a, and absolutely! Like it, it, it threw you out. Said, "Have fun," um, and it would kick your tail. I told Amanda uh, that this was Nintendo's Dark Souls at the time when it came out. Like, if oh yeah, like if you wanted a hard RPG, because Japanese players they they knew RPGs inside and out. It, it's still, I think, one of the big genres in that in that uh, country. Um, mm-hmm. here, you know, if it wasn't a little bit easier or toned down or kind of balanced, we weren't playing it, Um, and Fire Emblem was kind of one of those games, like, because they just rushed it out the door, thinking, assuming that it would sell well in America, well, not really because it was such a difficult game, and the, like you said the marketing and the coverage for it really wasn't there so we mm-hmm. couldn't uh, we couldn't learn and say and make it a major IP until actually Awakening came out because that's how Nintendo seen it uh, like if Awakening didn't sell that was going to be the last game for the Fire Emblem series and it, it sold tremendously here in America and I think also in Europe, Japan and, and also in Canada
1: absolutely uh that's kind of reminds me of another point that was the main thing with the games as well Everyone was afraid of this whole mechanic called permadeath where i'm sure you discussed this with amanda but Mm -hmm. uh basically when a character dies in battle they're gone for good they're dead they abandon the battle and you can't use them in the next level they're just gone and uh they uh Fix this. Well, it's not something that needs to be fixed, but they added a mode in uh, Awakening where permadeath is turned off and you get your character in the next battle, which is, I guess, fair. But it was a controversial point at the time. But, yeah, Awakening was definitely going to be the final game. They uh, took every single feature they ever wanted to put in a Fire Emblem, mashed it into Awakening, and they said, I hope this sells well. Because if it didn't, we would have seen Fire Emblem die. And that's crazy to think about right now, considering how huge it is.
0: Exactly. And it, it it would be the it's kind of the weirdest thing. Um even I think if Fire Emblem did die, I think Nintendo will bring it back because it's it's sometimes there is a point in people's lives that uh they don't get it right away. But soon mm-hmm. down the line people will be like, you know what, of word of mouth gets out and people are just like, you know what, I'll just play this game, it's on sale, Nintendo's throwing a thirty percent on it. And it catches wildfire, and be like, and people start looking more for this, and saying to Nintendo, hey, we want more of Fire Emblem. Uh, I think Nintendo Party would have we we uh, we stated the fire or rekindled the fire or whatever you want to see it, call it as.
1: <laughs> it's a good way of putting it, but yeah, yeah I agree.
0: And uh, I mean, it doesn't happen for a lot of games, uh, uh, definitely with Nintendo, uh, but I. This one, they just knocked it out the door. It's kind of almost like Monster Hunter, also. Because Monster Hunter 4, like, so tremendously, and people are still mm. playing that game. It didn't take, like, it, that became, that was a niche uh, niche title, also in America. Because as good as Monster Hunter was, has uh, been in America, it's super popular in Japan. Like, it does. Absolutely. Like, it, it, out kind of, I think it outsold. It was outselling uh, f- uh, Fire Emblem for quite a while.
1: I I wouldn't be shocked. Monster Hunter is uh, it's just crazy there. Um, they actually have an event in Japan in Universal Studios called Monster Hunter: The Real, and they make these giant animatronic um, replicas of the monsters uh-huh. that like move around a bit, and it's just huge there. It's massive. But again, this goes full circle with how RPGs are starting to kind of become bigger in the West, and they're not known for their uh, like turn-based roots or, anymore. So not only is the name Final Fantasy not exactly dying, but becoming a little irrelevant because we have strategy RPGs and action RPGs right. like Fire Emblem and Monster Hunter.
0: Right. The Tales, of, the Tales games have become popular. Like I think ever since Tales of Symphonia jumped off on the GameCube, it's been a constant... Uh, depending on which game that you play, it's it's kind of it sells solid, and like a lot of people really love the Tales games. Um, Kingdom mm-hmm. Hearts is a whole nother story, so we won't get into that one. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> um, but like something like Fire Emblem after After Awakening came out, like you kind of had two like amazing RPGs because then Awakening and Fire and Um Monster Hunter Four come out or in the same month. Like, Monster Hunter was first, and then two weeks later, Fire Emblem came out. Because they both came out in February.
1: Hmm. I'm pretty sure um, Monster Hunter 4 came out in 2014, 15? It was when the new 3DS XL launched. But um, Fire Emblem was a little before that. Regardless, it is still, like, uh, they're both comparable to each other, as far as popularity and um, growth ever since the 3DS goes.
0: Uh let's see. Um February uh
1: oh um, I believe Fates was twenty thirteen. Maybe I'm crazy.
0: No no no, uh let's see. Cause we got it uh February thirteenth, twenty fifteen. Oh really? Yes, Monster Hunter 4. It- because okay. um, Japan got it uh, September 14, 2013, uh, but they only got Master Hunter 4. We got 4G and Ultimate on uh, yeah. um, um, February
1: 13,
0: 2015. Right. So, um, that I had to set that up. Sorry, everybody. Um, so, that was uh, Master Hunter 4. Let me see. Fire Emblem Awakening. Because that game. I believe it came out in the same um, I think it came out in do do.
1: I want to say February 9th. I'm pretty sure it was either 2012 or 2013.
0: Okay. 2012 in Japan and April 2013 outside Japan.
1: Oh Um, April. Okay. Oh
0: All no, right. we got it. Uh, we got it February fourth,
1: two thousand thirteen. Okay, there we go. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah I, so
0: we got them back to back then. <laughs> yeah, because wow. when uh, when uh, my son the fourth came out, they came out with the new 3ds. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. Okay. That was a little nostalgia trip.
0: <laughs> because um, Majora's Master came out also because they had the Majora's no.
1: Uh, Majora's Mask and Monster Hunter came out at the same time to celebrate the new 3DS XL coming out. Yes. In 2015, yeah. 2014? 15. 15, yeah.
0: <laughs> I no, should have done my homework 13. before this. It came out
1: 13. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, all right, all right! to, to Google. We need, we need a fact check. <laughs> I, know, uh, I, just,
0: I just checked it on Wikipedia, so that's why.
1: Uh, okay, there we go. So,
0: uh, whatever. Uh, Perfect. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah um, it's good that you mentioned Permadeath because uh, the, what the series is about, uh, it's an RPG strategy tactical game. Um, Permadeath was kind of uh, if your character died, lost all this energy, um, like you said earlier, Fouette, that they wouldn't come back in the game. That was it. It it, it erased. Um, so you kind of had to be smart about it. Uh, like you have to know who is, like who is stronger, who is weaker, who you should pair up. Um, what's the best way to go about it? Uh, make sure that you protect your healer in the game because. If you get close to dying and you somehow survive an uh, attack, your healer can heal you on the next round if you haven't used her, use her or him, and you will heal up with energy. Um, right. The yin and yang of weapons. Uh, like, depending on what weapon you have for your, your character, if you, uh, have not fight an enemy that is, uh, weaker against your weapon, you'll be able to have a chance, uh, to do a critical hit or do more damage. Uh, relationships, right. uh, were supported with the game. Um, definitely with, uh, Fire Emblem Fates, uh, your, choosing your side, uh, was choosing your difficulty. So, uh, me and Amanda was talking about this. I believe birthright was the easier one, and conquest mm-hmm. was the hard one. Yep. Uh, and you also would be able to level up your characters. Um, a lot of grinding wasn't in the older games, I don't think, but until Fire Emblem Awakening. Because I definitely needed to grind characters that, if you if you don't use a lot, and your characters sit on the uh, on the bench. There's gonna be a problem. There's gonna be a time where they're gonna automatically force you to use that character, and if that character is not powered up, <laughs> you have a chance of losing that character.
1: Oh yeah, and that's that's the thing with it. Uh, before awakening, there weren't too many ways to actually grind. You had to pinpoint who was going to attack who, and who was going to deal the finishing blow for the XP, and. It was a lot of micromanaging. Um, There were arenas and stuff where you could go to train, but people could die in these arenas. Yeah, (laughs) even while you're grinding. Yeah, you might lose someone. It was a it was a game series before Awakening where like it punished you really hard for like making the wrong decision.
0: Uh, And I always wondered why. Like definitely on your first time, you're gonna make. Bad decisions. Cause you don't know what to expect. And I, I feel like a strategy guy is is a is a cheat for that for this game. If you get the strategy guy and you use it the first time playthrough, I feel like you're cheating yourself of learning the in and out of this game.
1: So it's funny you bring that up. I actually have a few guides on Fire Emblem and they're actually all useless. If you read through some of them, they'll actually just say here is the map. There are enemies that spawn from here, here, and here. Good luck. They don't actually give you a solid strategy because um, this leads us into another point. Uh, Another thing with Fire Emblem is when you level up, your uh, stats go up completely at random. So if you level up uh, one time, let's say your strength will go up plus one and then that's it. But if you level up another time, your strength will go up plus three and every other stat will go up plus one. It's completely random, so it's impossible to predict whether this unit or this unit will be okay to battle. So even then, strategy guides are useless. This is entirely based on your playthrough, and that's something I really like about the series. Um, and, it's every playthrough is unique,
0: and it, there's a level cap on them, correct? Because I, I think I got to like level ten on Fire Emblem uh, on Awakening, and once I got the ten, I couldn't level that character up no more. I'm like. Wait, what the
1: heck? Yep. That, uh, there's two reasons for that. Um, I've read in interviews with uh, developers that they implemented a, such a small level cap because, one, the idea is you're supposed to train your whole army. So let's say I'm playing Shadow Dragon and I have Marth, and I just hit Marth to level 10 in the first mission. Everyone else is going to be like level 1. So if I have Marth tanking every single hit, I'm going to hit a point where... Marth won't be usable anymore, and then everyone else is useless because they're level one. So the idea is, all right, he's maxed out. Have him as a safety net, and then I'll lead with other units so that they can gain XP, and you kind of have momentum.
0: Yeah, I, I see. I didn't know about that because I was just because I felt bad. Cause definitely in Awakening, and we will have a lot of discussion in Awakening. We're gonna get to Fire Emblem Fates if we some. Mm-hmm opinions on that <laughs> he might have some options but he has a lot of opinions about that um, oh I can't wait I I, I was just I, I knew what characters had what weapon and so to attack I would use them and completely forgot that I have other characters that I have not put into this battle I'm like oh I'm going to be in trouble so when I definitely played the, uh, the remake on the DS I and not knowing that uh I had to kinda of somewhat grind and find out who who was best, I was just like getting myself killed because I felt so weak. Like I I'm I'm and mm-hmm. I wasn't used to this. Usually in a role playing game, I'll spend three to five hours listening to some music but grindy. Um, one of my things in RPGs and I kinda of talked about this on the RPG episode that I did about training. Um, that when I'm grinding, I I go to the town and I find out what items are the most powerful items that I need for my characters, and mm-hmm. I will total up the amount of money that I needed, go out into the land and grind till I get that money. Uh, go in the town, buy the equipment, and then whatever levels that I have, I try to make everybody almost the same, depending on if they died or they're still alive. At certain boss points, um, and I try to go up now every five levels. I was doing every seven. Uh, sometimes I was doing every ten, but now I just do every five levels for that character. Mm-hmm. And fire you can't do that. You, you got to know who works well against the enemy and who that you, who should pair up. Hopefully that the uh, that you have. The ability to, to evade a lot when the enemy is charging, and you can counterattack like automatically. Like you need stuff like that in this game.
1: Hmm. Absolutely. Like the like I said before, um, you always want someone like you want to rotate characters um, as often as you can to keep your whole party balanced because uh, there are there's a whole th- um, functionality in the game called the weapon triangle. So there are different weapons you can use in the game. Uh, There's swords, axes, and lances, for example. Um, And in a rock, paper, scissors format, one does well against the other. So I believe um, if, like, if I had one character who was really good with a sword and then one character who was really good with an axe, I would want to pick one of the two to go in for the attack. Because if someone has a sword and I have a sword, I won't do, like... I'll probably do well, but if they have a sword and I have an axe, that character's going to die. So if I send the wrong person in for the battle, right. I'm done.
0: Also, mm-hmm. um, arrows, uh, bows and arrows, they, depending on where your space is at, you could attack a character two spaces uh, ahead of you. So you could partner up with somebody, and uh, if the enemy is two spaces uh, wherever you are at, You could attack them Mm -hmm. right there because you're doing uh, using a projectile, and sometimes they could attack back. But depending on if you finish them uh, at the end of the turn, uh, and definitely when you partner with somebody because they give you extra um, attack points and stuff like they kind of help you out. uh, You will be able to attack them further and get rid of them. Like definitely for me, I was sometimes I was just trying to get through the level like you can't speed you can't speed uh, speed run this game there's no possible way to speed run a fire emblem if you do you're gonna die
1: <laughs> it's true unless you really know what you're doing like trying to rush through the game is the number one mistake people make
0: yes mm-hmm. um, also uh, the the, the, translate, the localizations in these, in these games are phenomenal uh I think Fire Emblem Awakening has some of the best uh, uh, localization. It's funny. Uh, uh, me and um, Amanda was talking about our favorite characters, what we love about the series. <laughs> hey, which, which we get. And um, I, I was telling uh, her how I love the uh, uh, um, I think her name is she was the one with the uh, pink or red hair it was short cut she was very sassy she had a. oh yeah yeah I I love she's one of my favorite characters in the whole series I love her she's (laughs) sassy she's and and she because she means she means that she doesn't want to be with you she just wants to fight and if you try to be lovey-dovey with her she would kick you in your throat and she would let you know (laughs)
1: that yeah It's that amazing personality that comes out of a lot of the characters. And um, while I feel that there's been strong characters in the series, like, as long as the series has existed, I definitely believe Awakening did the most to bring that out with pairing up units and having support conversations. Because there's a lot of details you learn about these characters that make them so much more lovable and interesting. And it only, like, goes really... It goes hand-in-hand with the gameplay. Because, like, if we got to know Sully and everything... Uh, like after learning all of that about her. Then we send her out in a battle and she dies. It hurts so much more. Uh, and that's that's how you pair story with gameplay. That's how it's done. Right. Ah, so good.
0: And then we were talking about how Cordelia, uh, uh, how it's just, I hate her. <laughs> and, and
1: I, <laughs> I remember talking about this. Uh, she She's one of my favorites.
0: Uh <laughs> uh, she is I mean and I don't hate her as a person or, or a character, but her personality is like a wet cardboard like she infuriated mm-hmm. me in this game. I was just like you are just a blockhead so dumb and just she just irritated me and I and, uh, if you check in the NBC video game book club on YouTube uh Bohawks, Uh, B-O-J-O-X, and check our discussion with me, Fourette, Amanda, Anthony, uh, and Adrian. Um, We talk about Fire Emblem Awakening. You can see the hate and the fire that I have for this character.
1: Um, And you can see me try to defend her, which made for a hilarious (laughs) conversation. It was really fun. Definitely check that out.
0: It really, uh, you know. After this, I'm I'm about to rewatch it again, so I could just laugh. Um, because you had a character, I think everybody. You had a character that you didn't like. Um, I know, I I know Anthony had a character that he didn't like, and I think Amanda and Anthony didn't like that character. Because me, Anthony, uh, I know me and Amanda didn't like Cordelia. Like she (laughs) was just completely worthless.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: The ca- The Cast of Awakening, like, there there was enough people for you to completely get invested in your main party members. And uh-huh. I feel that's one of the diverging points um, when you have a conversation about the game with people. Because some people will use some units more than others. I believe the character was Virion. I actually don't like Virion too much. And he's the only character in a playthrough where I actually let him die. Because I never really used him. Really? So, yeah, yeah. Um, oh. I believe that was the character where, like, I said I didn't like him, and immediately everyone was like, "What? No." <laughs> uh
0: like I think I think uh, yeah, I have to rewatch it. Uh, because I think we all had such an enjoyable time. I know, uh, the gods. Like that is one of my favorite things. <laughs> oh i love that i like the gods oh, yeah. when they said that uh in that game it it kind of replaced they cut the cuss words uh and yeah. it just uh,
1: felt... dastards oh that's the shit <laughs> yeah that was another good one like that's a clever way to like insinuate a swear show that the character is mad but keep that teen rating <laughs> yes and, and, and see the writing
0: the music the characters um they all work so well in fire emblem uh, awakening and they kind of work well in the whole series now face is a different thing which uh we're going to get into face now before we get into the love and the hate of the series so oh, uh boy. fire emblem face uh was the latest game that they released in the Fire Emblem series? Um, you have two choices: uh, Birthright, I believe is the is the easier version of the game, but you're with uh you're with your the your family who uh who you be- who you really belong to, right? Um, yeah, Con-
1: we'll go into that a bit.
0: Because Conquest, I think, is the family that kidnapped you or the other family in the game.
1: Yes, uh, the The idea with Fates was um, it created a diverging point so players can pick, like, who their army will be. So in the story of the game, it revolves around the main character who you can actually, like, customize. But if you don't touch him, just hit every basic option. He turns into a character named Corrin. Now, Corrin was born in the land of Hoshido, uh, the area where you get birthright, you know? Yes. Um, So he was born in Hoshido. But he was kidnapped and raised in Nor, where that's the conquest side of the game. So, uh, in a chapter, it like there's a whole point where they say you have to pick one side core, and who do you pick? And you have to pick between the family who you belong to or the family that raised you. And there's a really interesting moral dilemma and struggle with that comes with that. So, yeah.
0: Okay, so now. Uh, since that, hey, thank you for it for for breaking it down. Um, because I sure. haven't started conquer. I brought conquest and I haven't started yet. Yes, I know it's still in its paper wrap. I I am going to start this game. I've just been playing Brevity Second. Um, trying to finish mm-hmm. that. Uh oh yeah. Now, tell us what makes. Sh- what are your thoughts? I'm I'm going to put the simply as ask that, and the platform is now yours.
1: Oh, I need a minute. This is... All right. I'm about to, like, vent out every single comment I've had about this game. So let's go all the way back to before this game came out. Uh, I first heard about it, and obviously, new Fire Emblem. I'm pumped. After Awakening, I'm wondering how the heck they're going to top that, because Awakening was amazing. Yes. Um, The game was announced for Japan, and I actually... um... Funny story. I bought a Lucina uh, Figma, a figure. And I bought it from a store for $60, and it got delayed, but the store I bought it from said it shipped. So I was like, wait, what? All right. So I get the package, I open it, and I'm holding the Fire Emblem Fates Special Edition from Japan that comes with all three paths on one cartridge. And I was just like, wait, what? What happened? And I emailed them about it, and they were like, turns out we had a spare. You might have gotten it by accident. Um, We'll pay, like, the difference. We're sorry about your order. And I was like, so I get to keep it? And they're like, yeah. So I actually ended up getting a Japanese special edition of this game. Uh And um, I can't – I know. It was a crazy random happenstance. I can't read Japanese. I don't know a lick of it. <laughs> so I was just holding this game, and it made the wait even harder because I knew in six months I would be getting the real thing. However, uh, I noticed that a group online was making a fan-made patch, and this fan-made patch translated the game. And they said, um, we don't like some of the changes Nintendo has talked about. We're going to make uh, a translation that's true to the original game.
0: Uh. And we'll so, we we'll, addre- we'll address that uh, that censorship part a little bit later.
1: okay, sure. I'll hold off on that for now, but I will say that I did actually get to play through the game before its official release in the us. I got to play the Japanese version with English subtitles, I guess if you could say
0: yeah
1: um all the voices were in Japanese and everything. so um we move on to when the game finally actually came out. I get to see not only the localization changes, but I get to hear the English voices as well as the revant music. And I couldn't actually play Revelation because um, that one wasn't translated and it was impossible for me to use it in patch notes. So, yeah, darn. But I finally got to play it with the American release and I have as many, like... I can praise this game just as much as I can, like, shit all over it. And I hate to say that. The reason I hate this game is because I should love it. Starting from the get-go, you have an entire moral struggle. That's like, this is how the game was advertised. They said, two families. Corin has to decide on one. Who will you choose? Decide now. And, like, oh, man, it's really good advertising. But the issue that comes with it is... Because of these trailers, you have no idea about who these characters are. You look at them, and I promise you, everyone picked their game, either based on difficulty or looks. I know a hundred people who bought Conquest because they took one look at Camila, <laughs> and they were like, oh, uh-huh, all right, I'll go with this one. Which, you know. okay. Which and- is
0: funny that you just said that, because I told Amanda that birthright actually sold more i think probably here in america like people were getting like people birthright was selling quicker than conquest was and every time i was that's asking true. people and it was weird because I, I was asking people okay which version did you get it was like i got birthright 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 and i'm the only one that that has conquest like in in my area
1: that's interesting interesting that is interesting, but yeah, one of the selling points was that it's an easier version of a Fire Emblem game. And, can and- I, May
0: I say this? Um, I, and, uh, <laughs> everybody just in to part one, because I keep bringing this up. Um, the box art for both games is amazing. I love the box art. I actually told Amanda that I want all fifteen posters of the whole series. But Birthright and Conquest, <laughs> the the box art is 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 very well designed. I love Birthright's uh purple and like the purple tone and artwork mm-hmm. on that. But Conquest, uh, Conquest looks really good. Like I I don't know who came up with the design to like to draw it that way but man they really really look good
1: i i absolutely agree uh the lead artist who chimed in with awakening he's just knocked it out of the park he's done such an amazing job and fates was only him like doing a victory lap it was so amazing yes Uh, if you actually look at the uh um collector's edition case uh, when you open it, one side has Hoshido and the other has Nor, and it shows both of them looking toward each other, uh-huh. like the main poster. It's really neat. <sighs> um, but, yeah, it's oh, – the, the art in Fire Emblem is another beautiful thing. Oh, but, yeah. we
0: we'll had have to address that later. Where, where were we? What were we talking
1: about? <laughs> oh, but go ahead. Continue <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Uh,
1: right. Give me your, uh, uh, your the, thoughts. The differences, yes. So um, – My first inherent issue with the game was the way it was advertised, because they would advertise only difficulty and characters, but they wouldn't talk about, like, exact relation or anything, and um, when I actually played the game, I told myself upon, like, picking it up, oh, I'll probably go with Birthright. I really like Birthright. I like the cast. I like the look. I'm more a fan of, like, samurai and ninjas than I am of, like, knights and warlords, so... Uh, I, was, uh, I was dead set on picking Birthright, but uh, little did I know, you don't actually make the decision to choose until Chapter 6. So they spend all of this time, like, uh, you start off in Nor, in Conquest. Uh-huh. You start off there, uh, no matter what game you pick. And then you transition to Hoshido. And then you go and make the decision. So you get a taste of both sides. And to be honest, upon my first playthrough, I kind of wanted to go to Conquest. Uh, because of how the story progressed, I was like, no, I think I think Conquest needs my help more than Hoshido, and I think they have some solid like points. However, I mean, I guess I bought the uh, special edition, but in the mind of anyone else, I bought Birthright. So, I even if I wanted to pick, I don't have a choice. This choice that they've advertised completely doesn't really exist unless you throw another $20 at them. And... I feel that's a bit of an issue. While I do agree that each game, like, there's equal content in each game. Both of them are filled to the brim with, like, music, characters, and everything. However, all, like, they have a third path as well that can all fit on the same cartridge. I don't see why they wouldn't just, you know, put it all on one cartridge and sell it for, like, a little extra. If it was, like, five or ten extra dollars above every other 3DS game, I Uh honestly think it would have sold the same. Like, it would have sold all the same. But I think the story, like, it rips me out of the story when I realize I don't really have a choice. I already made the choice when I bought it at the register. That was my war choice. (laughs) So, yeah, but then the game gets great again. The game gets great with its story, its characters, and gameplay. Uh, One of the biggest changes it made was how you don't have weapon limits anymore. A limit on your weapon is something that they've had since the original games, where the main character has, like, a key weapon. Sorry?
0: We didn't address that, but talk about it, yeah.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, The main character always has a signature weapon. But other than that, every other character has weapons that can only go through so many battles. So let's say I pick up an iron sword, and it has a number beside it, 20. That means after 20 battles, this weapon will break, and I need to go find a new one. Yes, uh, enemies can drop weapons. Uh, you can buy weapons at certain stores if you spend a turn doing that in the middle of a battle. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you like there's a whole dynamic to it. Whereas in Awakening, they introduced the idea of a hub world where you can just kind of go about buying weapons and items literally whenever you want and
0: or find a tr- that... or find a tre- uh, treasure chest in the level like if sometimes they have like a bonus level if you go there you can find a chest or not a chest like a, a little sparkling thing, and you go there if you reach it within that uh level uh you'll get like a special item too
1: yes, that's true as well there are hidden uh items like as well as treasure chests, and they're all over the game. the idea is you're constantly searching for um like items because the game doesn't actually give you many if you're just kind of sprinting through it you have to take your time yes but awakening it streamlined the process in a good and bad way in a good way because if i run out of swords i can just use the money from battles to buy way more and i'm suddenly back in the fight and this is a bad thing because it took away an integral feature of the weapon limit and i asked myself well if i can just go buy a new weapon I don't see the point of what makes this weapon so special in the fight. Why don't I just have no limit at all, then, if they're going to do this? Q Fates, where they actually got rid of uh, weapon limits. And this is a huge thing. It's a huge deal. They made it so that each weapon has, like, set stats. Uh, You can't actually upgrade these weapons anymore, because you used to be able to do that in older games. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have, like, set stats, so you have to stick with it until you get your next weapon. And weapons are much more, like, uh, rare. You can only have one of them at a time sometimes. They they changed the system, but they made it work. They revamped the wheel, but it's still just as efficient, if that makes sense.
0: Yes, I, I, I understand. Yeah. Cause Absolutely. Because, yes. you know, I didn't even know about uh, the weapon breaks and uh, the Fire Emblem series, like I, I didn't pay pay attention to it. I just thought that because even when I played Fire Emblem Awakening, and my weapon broke, I'm like, wait, what the heck just happened? Because I didn't know that. Yeah, that no happened. one tells you exactly. And I'm just like, okay, I mean, and they teach you throughout the game, uh, the the paper rock scissors, I call it the yin yang style, uh. Uh, kind of like the Mega Man style what work, What weapon works against an uh, enemy and stuff Um, like they teach you stuff yeah. like that and some other things like pairing up and defending and evading and stuff like that and having relationships but they never tell you that oh your weapon could break be aware of that because I was just like I was just getting items after items just being like oh my weapon break okay I guess I gotta eat, try to find something to equip them Oh, I got like mm-hmm. 16,000 swords that I can just equip them with. Okay, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> like, it, that, yeah. it, that was so weird. I'm like, wait, hold on, wait. Why are they got weapon breaks in a game that you have to micromanage? Now you got to micromanage your weapons and, like, learn the weapon use?
1: Yep. It was a super complex system of, like,. like 30 things to micromanage. You need to figure out what character needs XP, what characters to pair up with, what characters need more weapons, what characters are running low on weapons, what characters need vulneraries It was a big, like... I, I know people who had, like, notebooks and charts where they'd, like, write down details as they'd go because they'd forget about things. Oh. Like, it's it's a big game. It needs a lot of attention. But Fates streamlined it so well. They streamlined it to the point where you don't... Like, they took away a whole function to micromanage. Manage, but they still made it engaging i still felt like i was making progress rather than just buying a new weapon and they did a very good job with it um another thing that fates did was they completely changed the way the map works after so many games of just like oh there's a mountain here i need to move around it or oh there's a bridge so i need to go across that alone like there's only so many things that the uh, designers could do around a map to uh Like, make it engaging, you know? Uh And with Fates, they thought of the perfect way to keep it fresh. They introduced a feature called Dragon Vein, where uh, if you have a character who's tied to the main family or Corrin, who is part dragon, uh, go and stand on a certain tile, you can alter the playing field in really drastic ways. And it's so neat to play with. It adds an entirely new element to the battlefield. And it's amazing it's exactly what the series needed and uh like this ranges from anything from creating like there's a gap in the plane so you uh use a dragon vein and it moves the land into a bridge and suddenly all new battle strategies are possible there's one where you can drop everyone into poison or like needles on the ground (laughs) with like the press of a button yeah and it's satisfying it's neat it's awesome and enemies can use it too, so you need to keep in mind, oh shit, there's one right by that enemy, they'll probably use it. It's It just made the battles way more engaging and interesting as far as the area goes, as well as, like, what units are around you. It, like, Fates improved on Awakening, on, on Awakening's gameplay, I should say, in a lot of great ways. Um... And I am invested in the story. I do really like the story of Fates. I like the moral struggle Corrin has between picking, like, who his real family is. And I will say, even in the DLC um, version, where you technically pick neither, it's still really engaging and good, and I really like it. Uh, if they just released one game as, like, the true path, like, let's say they didn't have funding, so they only made Birthright. Yeah, I would have been really curious about, like, what would happen if I like chose nor instead of Hoshido? I would have been really curious. I'm happy they made this many versions of the game. I'm just it's it's confusing how they like advertised it and how it affected the story for they, the player probably, probably rather than the consumer.
0: They was thinking, of, and I told Amanda this, I'm like, this is the harder version of Pokemon if you think about it. Uh, just Fire Emblem in general. Uh, even though I said <laughs> it is Nintendo's Dark Souls, but it's like a difficulty a difficult version of Pokemon because I mean you you're getting new characters and they're not trying to catch them all but I mean it kind of feels like you're catching you're catching pocket monsters um but that's just human characters Because, uh, just like if you save a character in the fire Emblem series they'll join you in the battle uh, so and and that's it um uh, Pokemon has always been uh uh, the same version but with different parts in it and so when I think when they decided to do the Fire Emblem Fates that uh you know two families battling against each other who would you choose it's a marketing ploy to be like okay which version will people buy Uh, they mm-hmm. now have an open option to buy either Birthright or Conquest um, mm-hmm. and if it if if it works like Pokemon, then that double our sales. That's more money for us. Uh, because even though Fire Emblem Awakening so good, they probably thought that well we could get twice the profit if people buy both versions or buy either version. Like we don't lose out.
1: Mm-hmm. And it, Absolutely. And I that that's sorry. Go ahead. Oh, and it worked. It did. It definitely did. Um, I was just going to say, I find that I, I've heard that comparison, uh, comparison before. It's a, it's very interesting because, um, I won't lie. I kind of disagree. I, I think it's comparable to Pokemon in a lot of ways, but uh, as far as gameplay mechanics go, it's like, uh, it's not the same differences, but marketing. Yes. That's exactly what it is. Yes. You are right with that. Absolutely.
0: I, I, I think Pokemon in the sense that, um, like if you f- if like it has that yin yang ability, so if you find out which which character works against a certain enemy, just like Pokemon, if you got the right uh the right uh type that could go against a uh, other uh, 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 enemy that they're weak against, then yeah. it works in your favor. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but the marketing the marketing ploy for face in Pokemon, they're kind of the same, like if you if you look at uh and you probably could think of it like this um pokemon uh x and y was the pokemon x and y was the last one before sun and moon uh because omega omega alpha sapphire were a remix of the second game um if if you look at if you look at it that way they kept changing up pokemon And if you look at sun and moon uh pokemon they're they're adding so much stuff that they're kind of changing it they're like really uh changing the formula of pokemon i mean it still has some of the same things that you know but they're doing like new types um new powers like you could evolve further than your in your second evolution like they're going further right. and with faith it seems that during the gameplay they evolve the gameplay so there's different things that you've been used to in the past games that you're not gonna find in this game mm-hmm.
1: i get that and uh, yeah you are right with that actually <laughs> um it was a lot of differences as in like um here is your experience based on like the cover, and here is your experience like from a marketing standpoint. Yes. You know, yeah, I get that. Um, oh, I'm like lost in the conversation now.
0: <laughs> no, no, because I yeah. want to continue to vet Because oh, you're right, bringing, yeah, we're talking me, about that. Because you're bringing up a lot of good points. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, <laughs> oh, I, stop. and and I'm not saying that it's it. it, it like, this is what I need to know because I haven't started the game yet. And mm-hmm. th- there's people on both sides who like the game, who praise the game, and some people who feel like Awakening is kind of better than this. They don't hate Fates, but mm-hmm. they love how Awakening was designed, how it plays, how. They love the characters, the music, and they just feel like Fates doesn't live up to the, the face doesn't live up to it. But it's still a good game. People require, you know, recommend that you get this game. Um, but continue oh, to yeah. go for it because this is very interesting. Sure. I loved it. <laughs> right,
1: absolutely, yeah. Um, that's that's another point. That's a like uh, topic for another day, though. How um, when Awakening came out, it made so many changes that a lot of veteran Fire Emblem fans were actually not too into it, but. It's ironic because I'm seeing those same fans who liked Awakening and hated the older games suddenly like Awakening and hate Fates. And it's really funny. But anyway, yeah, that's a topic for another day. Uh, Going back to Fates, what I was talking about, um, it builds off of a lot of what Awakening started. And one thing Awakening uh, started was um, pairing up units and this whole concept of, like, you can have two of them get married and have a child. Yes. Uh, Spoiler alert for Awakening – you hit a point in the game where you learn that uh, these characters' children are coming back from the future to help you fight a war that's going to shape their future. And here's the thing that comes with that. it's That's the crux of the story. That's the whole point of the story. The fact that these children are coming back from the future to help you out. And it lends itself well into the gameplay because these units that are children have skills and stats from their parents so you can basically build the ultimate monsters or just like have two people like you feel go well together go off and get married and then have their kid help out as well it's a really engaging feature and it's another point like a selling point where if i have a conversation with someone They have a different answer for, like, oh, who did you pair up? I put X and Y together. Oh, I put Y and Z together. Because
0: we actually did that for the uh, Awakening discussion. Like, everybody had so many uh, different pairings and stuff. I haven't got to that point yet. Um, And I think I'm I'm going – I feel like I don't want to restart Awakening because what I know now – I think I want to pair up people and be like, okay, I need you to be with this person. I need y'all to fall in love, because I think you guys would make a great child who would have a great team. Like, I need to go back and do that. I'm about to do that. I'll put that on the Absolutely.
1: um Absolutely. Here's, here's a hilarious pro tip. Um, for Awakening, uh, if you want Krom's kids to have some of the best stats, and also have um, oh, another character have like really good stats as well, uh-huh. you want to get Krom to get with Olivia who you get in one of the chapters before where in the story Crom needs to be married. So ironic enough, if you want to get Krom with this character, you need to make sure he doesn't talk to a single girl once before he uh, meets Olivia. And then you have to pair them up and get through the mission. And then the game will force them to uh, get married and you'll have like crazy stats for your kids. <laughs> It's just a funny little thing with the game. Uh, Keep that in mind when you uh, play through Awakening again. Anyway, back on topic. Um, Keep in mind, pairing up these units was an integral point to Awakening. It doesn't really have a place in Fates. Now, hear me out. The whole point of the story is deciding who your family is. And through the entire game... They keep building up this moral struggle inside of Korin where he doesn't know who his family is. He doesn't know who to, like, decide on, you know? And it's – they're all people who grew up with him, who feel like blood relatives to him. So after a few chapters, here comes your downtime (laughs) where uh, you go into a completely separate mode where you can hang out with people. And uh, because this game is going off of Awakening – they shoehorned in the feature of having support conversations. I honestly would have been perfectly fine if they like kept support conversations as like, all right, you become best friends with the unit. If you team up with them, you get boosted stats, that kind of thing. Yes. But they took it one step further and brought children back. Now, this. <laughs> all right, let's walk through that first. So um, not only do you have to have Corrin... Pick someone from his family to have a child with, but it's completely disconnected from the story. So, and in the middle of these support conversations with these people, they all, like, very abruptly say, by the way, we're not actually blood relatives. By the way, we're not actually related. And it makes me, like, take a double take. Like, wait, what? Isn't that the point of the story? Right. are I supposed to choose you as my family? And then they're like, no, no. We can have a kid. It's okay. But I'm like, hold on. There's a war. I want to focus on that. And it, I have really mixed feelings. They added a whole feature that basically doesn't matter. Like, once they do have a kid, the story goes... <laughs> All right. The story basically, like, plays a cut scene that says... So-and-so fell in love and had a child. They dropped their child off in a pocket dimension where, like, time is in fast forward. So, once you have people marry... Hear me out. Once you have people marry, they have a child, and you can go do a side mission where you recruit that child, where they either don't recognize their parents or recognize them, and they say, oh, it's been a few years, how's it going, and... And then I go back to the main story where it's a day later.
0: And wait, I'm like, wait, what? what?
1: And, and, and then they're, they're all talking to each other. And the person <laughs> that I just had, Cor and Mary, is saying, but I'm your sister. I'm your brother. And I'm like, wait, we just had a kid. What? Slow down. Okay, this sounds insane. So here's my biggest issue with the game. This is it. This is what burned the game. This is what makes me hate the game. All of these added functions from Awakening, there's no reason for them to be in Fates. And they're all shoehorned in so that people who liked Awakening can feel at home in Fates. And I just, like, I honestly, personally, went through the entire game at least three times without even pairing up units. Like, having them marry. I'd get them to best friends, and then I would stop there. Because uh-huh. there was no point for me to go on. I I hated the fact that I had to stop that my war of like my internal struggle to go have some kids drop them in pocket dimensions and then pick them up and the worst part is another spoiler alert for fates i guess it's not too big a spoiler but basically once you have two units have kids these kids play no role in the story you'd think how with like how crazy this is that there's a whole other pocket dimension right, where you're cause... meeting these children
0: Because they sent you on a side quest to get them, to recruit them.
1: Exactly. Exactly. The story doesn't even bring them up once. The only reason they're there is to have extra units. If you buy special DLC missions that kind of carry the story a little, they come in there. The story is there, but in the DLC. So if I'm playing the main story, Uh I am left confused and in a haze. What am I doing? Why am I pairing up these units and... Aren't they supposed to be my family? I'm I mean, so all right, baffled right now. mean, alright, some people right are into now. that. That's a little... What?
0: I'm so baffled right now.
1: Why would they do well, that? Well, exactly! Exactly! That's how I feel about this. You have such an amazing story about choosing family. Yes. But then you need to spend some downtime hooking them up and having an anime fuckfest. That's not okay. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. And it's like... It feels like I'm playing two separate games. It feels like I'm playing a really good Fire Emblem game and then a dating sim later on that doesn't really come in handy or pan out. And when I'm constantly in a barrage in the story of people from everywhere saying, we're your family, we're your family, but then I marry someone who says, oh, we're not related, don't worry, it it sucks me out of the game, it ruins the story, and I just can't get into it anymore. I had the best experience with that game by never having any characters talk to each other, which kills a main point of the game. Exactly. Like having support in Fire Emblem. So it's a giant mixed bag. And I will say the bright side, like the good point of this, um, is I actually really like all the support conversations. I really like the like chemistry some of the characters have. And their kids are all very interesting personalities. I liked meeting them. I enjoyed having them around. But I didn't like it because it sucked me out of the story. It felt like this downtime was literally just like a cast party, you know? Like, imagine a play. And this play is really, really good. But then there's the downtime and the after party. That's what... That's what Fate's second mode is. That's what half of Fate's is. It's that after party where you're just having fun, having a good time. And then you go back to the play again where it moves on and there's major story elements. And the game is split in half for me because of that. Because not to say that I hate the fact like well, I do hate the fact that like um I have to go get people married and stuff. I actually really like the road to it. The support conversations are fun. The side missions become hilarious at some points or really interesting. But they have nothing to do with the main story. It feels so disjointed and like a bloody mess. I don't know how I feel about it. Fates, as of this year, has given me the most, like, ironic enough, I feel like Corrin. I have an internal struggle of (laughs) whether I like this game or I hate this game. I don't know how I feel about it because it's such a good game with really weird broken mechanics. Does that make sense? Yes,
0: I, I think I, I get what yeah. you. I think you. I think you love the game, but you don't love it to the point where uh, you love it, but you have some disappointment to it also. And exactly and it kind of, it kind of balanced out. It's like, it's like, it's like pro, pro and con game. Like it kind of, it balanced out that there's things that you love about it. Cause it works. And there's things about it that you hate that, that shouldn't be in the game. That kind of removes the feeling of what may awakening successful for what it is, you know? Exactly. And, like
1: they, with awakening, like I said, the whole crux of the story is pairing up and having these kids they made that an like an integral function yeah. of the game but with fates you can get through the whole game and never once like pair up units you can avoid it entirely it's a feature that's and that's added on and doesn't need to be there and i feel like it's such a detriment to the game that it ruins the main story but it makes you like the characters more because the characters are so interesting so it's like it's a mixed bag
0: it, it, I, I I find it that you you could respect it, but it's something that she won't go back to. Like it's like it's like it's an average game, pretty much. Like mm-hmm. it it has high marks to it, but there's so much stuff that's in it that brings it down to where you're disappointed. So you kind of feel like the game is average. Like it balances out. I'm not saying that the game is a five or. It's a, or or lower than that I'm, it's kind of like it, it's a 7 because they do a lot of great yeah. things in it but there's so much disappointing things about it that brings it down uh, so like you yeah. you see it as, as a passable game that's why I said you, you see it kind of average that it's passable you could get into it and play it but there's some things that's in it that's not needed that doesn't bring enjoyment to it so I, I, I see where you're at I think you just see it as an average game like you don't hate it like cause if you really hate it you would tear this game from piece to piece but you oh, are, yeah. but, you are able, but you gave a good opinion that there's a lot of great stuff that's in this game but the fact is there is some down stuff and you gave options too if they would have did it like this or kept what they did in the wakey, it would have been better See you get optional opinion.
1: You get it. You you fit the show completely well. <laughs> yeah, I've I've watched this. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I yeah. Uh, I like. It's one step forward, but two steps back. Yes. and I well, I definitely think like um, I have a lot of issues with it. I don't know if I'd even call it an average game because I going on the other side of the same coin here. I really like a lot of the stuff this game does. Like. Um, As much as I loved Awakening, and I kind of think Awakening is the better game, Uh I like the story of uh, Fates a lot more. I was more invested in the main character, and I felt that my choices mattered a lot more. I really liked the story progression as well as the music uh, art, as we talked about, was really good. It just does a lot of things right, but... It takes a few steps back with bringing back the children who have no reason to be there, removing weapon limits, which eliminates an entire part of like, um, micromanaging the whole series. Oh. but it does it in such a good way. It's just I just I don't know how I feel about it. If <laughs> I could give it a rating, it would be three question marks out of 10. What, what, I'm so confused what, do you think, about this game. Do
0: you think a 7 is fitting for it? Like, a 7 out of 10? That, I mean, it's 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 a good game, but there are problems to it. Like, I, I feel like a 5 is kind of too low for it. Uh, a 7 is, like, a, it's an average game because there are some good qualities in it, and it would be up to you. Like, like if the game was on sale right now for $20, would you recommend somebody to buy it?
1: In that scenario, yes, I okay. totally would. I so. think this I, – I do think this game is deserving of more than seven, but the thing that comes with that is I think of the second mode, the whole like pairing off units and then building your house thing or uh-huh. my castle as it's called. I feel that that portion of the game is just Awakening 2.0. It's like what Awakening could have done that made it even better than it already was. But it doesn't belong in Fates. So I feel that's a detriment to the game itself. If I were to give the game a rating, I would look at Awakening first. If Awakening was a perfect 10, I would give Fates a 9 or a 9.5. Okay. If Awakening is a 9, yeah. So in my mind right now, I see Awakening as like 9.5. That was an amazing game, and I have very few gripes with it. But because of Awakening's success being a detriment to Fates, I would give Fates an 8.5. Because it's still a solid game It's still okay. amazing And it carries the Fire Emblem name With pride But it also carries the Awakening name And it really doesn't need to Okay so...
0: So, so there, Okay
1: yeah, yes, we yeah. There we go Oh, I'm done. <laughs> that's kind of my views <laughs> on Fire Emblem Fates.
0: Well, let's address a little bit about the censorship. Uh, and I kind of just want to address why people just re- reacted to, like, stupid stuff. Like, really? Are, are are we really reacting over our outfit or a certain mode being taken out? Like, it, it doesn't affect the main game. Like, I feel like that that's just side stuff. What, what did you think about the reactions over the censorship?
1: Uh, so I kind of went a little too into it when I got Fates with the localization as well as the fan translation.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, so people compared the two constantly when the game came out and everyone just said, well, the fan translation is closer to the original product. Why wouldn't I want that? And I actually uh, went on Reddit. I went on the Fire Emblem subreddit and I made a huge post comparing the two. And needless to say, I got roasted hard by the Fire Emblem community. However, there were some people that agreed with me because my stance on it is that the localization is better uh, is better than the fan translation for me. Some people might like the other one. And I showed examples and, like, all that stuff. Uh-huh. I actually got um, mentioned in a Kotaku article... <laughs> really (laughs) because my yeah i'll send you the link uh yeah everyone who for sure everyone who wants to uh, check it out um i believe it, it might be archived on the fire emblem subreddit otherwise um you can definitely just google um fire emblem fates localization versus uh fan translation and i'm one of the first things that pops up like my little article i wrote um I was honestly terrified when I first wrote it because of how many people roasted me. But a lot of people agreed, and here's the main issue that came with the censorship: the fan translation uh, said that they were closer to the original work. They said that um, everything that they wrote down was borderline a literal translation. So "hello" would stay "hello" in the in a different language. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, so, however, the localization took some liberties to make the game not only more endearing, but more engaging for a Western audience. So, while in Japan they might like a more serious story, the translation makes the game very lighthearted and fun. So, uh, here's my thoughts when I was playing through the fan translation. A lot of the lines were very, like, they were very anime, if that makes sense. Like. Yes. Uh, Every single character, more than a personality, they were just a character trope. Uh, This character is a heartless assassin. This character is a cute little girl. Like, they had their archetypes and they didn't break out of them. And the story was more focused on the main story rather than interaction with these characters. Because Uh all the interactions just felt like, I'm a mean person. I'm a nice person. We should be friends. And that's like, that's it. Uh, it wasn't engaging or interesting. However, in the localization, um, they make all these characters explode with personality, and they're all suddenly way more engaging. Uh, the best example I had was, and this is actually an example a lot of people probably know I'm going to bring up if they've kept up with this localization. Um, there are two characters who are assassins, and they when they talk to each other in one Uh, social or (laughs) I was going to say social link Um, in one support conversation, uh, they say to each other, like I've been an assassin since I was a child. And then the other one said, wow, me too. Like, and then they kind of bonded through that. However, in the localization, one assassin just said, dot, dot, dot. The other one says, dot, dot, dot. And that's the conversation. And then it's just, that's it. And um, everyone said, why would I want to go for a translation? That does less work than a translation that put more work in and showed the characters, like, uh, coming together. Uh, That was the argument proposed to me. The argument I responded with was that I think that the localization knew what they were doing. And not that they're doing less work, but they're making it way more humorous and engaging. Um, The fact that two assassins are like, I'm an assassin, me too... It's very cliche, and it's like I just kind of skimmed through it. I was like, all right, they're both assassins. I've learned that. However, when I see the dot-dot-dot conversation, you think about it, and you realize two assassins are silent assassins. They know what they do. They have nothing to say to each other. I think that's hilarious. That's a really good joke. Yeah, but people got really mad about that. Another good example was – Uh, Corrin's child uh, when you first like meet them and when they level up they they go like uh, and then um, in brackets that's dragon for I love you like that's what they say in the localization that's adorable it makes me look at the character like aww you crazy kid but then in the Japanese version uh, she says like I'm so happy to fight alongside you father I've missed you and it's just it's just this dialogue that's like alright Exactly, and it made me realize that I really don't appreciate localization teams as much as I should because not only are they taking these uh, translations, but they're spicing it up. They aren't just making a literal translation because with the literal translation, I got the point with the story. I understood where the story was going and Uh everything, but it was very bland, if that makes sense. yeah. Like, it was very cliche. There weren't many, like... Lines that stuck out to me. However, in the localization, I can quote, like, a million things that people said. And i they're all hilarious. Um, they took one character who's this stoic lady who, like, she's a big general and she's super strong. Um, she's the strong silent type. That's the joke in Japan. So her conversations were all like, right, I'll do anything you need. Okay, we're friends now. And that's it. And then in the Jap- in the English translation they made her like one of those people that always go to the gym and it's hilarious. So she, so her romance uh, quote is like, um, just got to work out my glutes and I'll be right back to accept <laughs> that ring. Like it's hilarious. And then when she levels up, she's like, keep training these biceps and stuff like that. It's hilarious. Yes. But a lot of people were really mad about that because they felt that it didn't uh, bring across the original idea.
0: And and, and, uh, and for a lot of Americans, who don't know those anime tropes, they wouldn't understand any of any of that. Like sometimes when you read a dialogue or you hear a line that's in English, if it's very emotive and they have a meaning for it, you'll get better understanding and appreciate it more instead of mm-hmm. you just hearing it in Japanese and it'd be like okay, that was stupid. Uh, they didn't really do anything with it. And I think a lot of people don't realize that video game localization in American and Japanese are always going to be different. There's going to be some mm-hmm. censorship things. There's going to be some changing in words because there's people who who don't know stuff. Like, if you don't know the full culture of uh, Japan and how they do things and what some of their... The things that anime means, like if you don't even know, like Gundam, for example, and what's that's and and the things in there. What makes you think that a gun uh, a game like let's say Transformers coming over here, uh, and let's just say that it has a, it has a Gundam thing to it, but because you don't know Gundam and robot anime stuff like that, you don't know what the Transformers are gonna be.
1: Exactly. Um, I I actually bring up this argument a lot with anime fans where uh, they always talk about how they show people these crazy anime, but no one really gets into them except for people who already understand the jokes and stuff, you know? And I feel that's an inherent issue with trying to bring about a new audience. Let's say they did go with the literal translation where there was loads of, like, Oni-san, Oni-chan, like, uh, uh... Konichiwa and uh, Baka, like, they're using, or Senpai, like, they're using these, like, uh, Japanese subtleties and titles. And for someone like me, who I happen to watch a lot of anime, I don't, I'm not too into it anymore, but I definitely understand these tropes and character, like, tropes, yeah. Um, But if I were to hand it to someone who's never even, like, heard of anime, they'd be like, that line's weird. What does that word mean? Okay, that's weird. That's interesting. I don't I don't know if I like it. However, if the, I give them a localized version with, like, really good comedy lines or, like, endearing character traits that kind of make sense for a Western audience, a person who's new to this will probably get into it. And yeah. you got to take a step back and realize, like, they're not advertising to me. If they know that they have my money – What's stopping them from saying, "Hey, I want someone else's money because that's more money, and I can make new ideas with that money,"
0: and it's, it's... as
1: opposed to, "Yeah, oh, go ahead, go ahead." Oh, I was going to say, like, as opposed to, "Oh, yeah, like I'll just stick with this one person's money and never make profit."
0: And and the funny thing is, we already have a problem with folks who don't want to read. And so you think you go? If you think that buying a Fire Emblem game is just all going to be about a strategy RPG, you thought wrong. Like there's mm-hmm. so much that goes into a Fire Emblem game that you got to expect that this the game is has to have high level writing because it's mm-hmm. known for its writing, It's known for its stories, known for its characters, music, artwork, it's known for all of that in its gameplay. But the writing has to stand out because that's what that's really what's driving the whole game is this story mm-hmm. and if you don't have great writing to make you want to love your characters or feel for your characters and laugh out like not every game has to be serious then fire yeah. emblem stay fire emblem staying in this original format will be boring for a lot of people don't forget we don't have half of the series here in america all we have exactly for, like we have it for what five systems for five systems: Game Boy, DS, three uh, DS, Wii, and GameCube. That's five. The month mm-hmm. in Japan got fifteen games all across all yeah. those platforms. So they know and get the get the translation and have a better understanding of the Fire Emblem series. We don't. We know Fire Emblem from Awakening because that was mm-hmm. more. Easier to get into if we ask people who played Awakening, okay, do you know about the GameCube? You know about the Wii? How you tried out the DS? Do you know the mm-hmm. Game Boy events? They'd be like, I know none of that because I didn't even know that this well about the series or what all these things were about in the game. Why would you complain yeah. about the stuff in Fates for when you don't even know half of the history? I'll, let me rephrase that. You don't know 75% of the history of the Fire Emblem series. Right now, you probably exactly. only know, but maybe, maybe what, 10% of the history of Fire Emblem?
1: Mm-hmm. So, All right, like, this is for someone coming in from Awakening, right? Yes. Yeah. Like, uh, again, I, I used this um, metaphor earlier where I said uh, Fire Emblem on the Game Boy Advance and Melee uh, opened the floodgates. Well, I think they did for hardcore fans. Um, a major demographic missed out on it. And Awakening opened those floodgates uh, because it introduced so many interesting features as well as made the game way easier to get into yes. with its uh, cla- or casual mode. And I feel because of that, a lot of people missed out on some really good games, but it's harder to go back after having a quote-unquote easier game. Um so a lot of people I know who got into awakening it's not that they don't want to go back to older games it's just that it's way harder and it requires a lot more time and patience and uh that in itself is an inherent issue where you have a major demographic who's come in with an easier game and going to another game where they feel entitled like as a Fire Emblem fan uh-huh. not to say their That's opinion good. doesn't That's matter good. Well, yeah. Not to say their opinion doesn't matter because everyone there's no such thing as a wrong opinion, just a dumb one. True. Or True. yeah, <laughs> that's a sarcastic saying I always have. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, no opinions wrong. If you come in and you say like uh, all the Fire Emblem games from long ago are trash and Awakening is great, if you can back that up with your own thought process, I think that's fine. But if a lot of people are. Sorry, if you could
0: go back and play them and show us that 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 they're trash, then mm-hmm. then I agree, then I agree with uh, agree with you. But you can't call these old games trash because a you haven't played them all, like mm-hmm. like to to fully. I, I would think of the sistership thinking. Then we're going to go to the last part and then we're going to end the show. Um, the with the censorship part, I feel like people overreacted over something that really wasn't a big deal that it didn't reflect any of the gameplay it didn't really change anything yeah there was some stuff that that got uh that came out that got removed but if you listen to nintendo voice chat and hear jose otero talk about it he was just like i thought it was a good idea that they took it out because it does it really does nothing for the game like like it didn't like folks caught feelings about a game but with the censorship, and still bought the game. Like if mm-hmm. you were so offended about the game, then just buy a Japanese 3ds, buy the Japanese version, don't translate it, and keep it as the way that it is. Keep it in the original format and enjoy the game mm-hmm. that way. If not, don't complain about this game, because it's true. Like don't complain, don't complain and then still buy it. You know. Like if the citizenship bothered you so much, don't buy the game. Get it in its original format. Spend the two hundred, three hundred dollars it takes to import the game, or mm-hmm. buy the or buy it digitally on the Japanese three DS. Like do that, but don't don't catch feelings, get upset, and uh, and be rageful because they did a minor change in the game. I'm like Fire Emblem is good. It's a great series. It's something that we look forward to, which leads us to the last part because I know it's getting kind of late um uh, what do we look forward to in the future um uh, i uh you can hear my answers um part one, but for it, what you think uh what would you like to see uh in the future for the series
1: so as well, like, just like Fates, I have mixed feelings about the future oh, of Fire. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Before we get to that, what is your love and hate? I didn't get to that part. I'm sorry. What is your love? What did you love about the series and what do you hate about the series?
1: Oh, the whole series?
0: Yes. The, the series, uh, any of the games, anything, open platform, is all you. What do you love and what do you hate? You can have one, gotcha. one two, whatever. Like, what do you love and hate oh. about it?
1: For the sake of how long we've been going, I'll pick one or two things that I love and hate. Um, I could definitely say my favorite thing about the games is the music and Uh, the main theme for fire emblem. I, out of all the eight bit like songs, there are some songs where I go back and I'm like, Oh, this doesn't sound too good. Like after hearing remixes and stuff, but the original fire emblem theme on the Famicom, I will always go back to that song and say, Nope, it sounds just as good as it did like 25 years ago.
0: I need to hear it. I haven't heard it yet
1: you should it's a really good like eight bit song and it only gets better with each iteration like every single time i hear that like um like it sends chills down my spine and it's it's something no other game can replicate sure the final fantasy has its main theme i think the closest that comes to it is the main theme for dragon quest okay because that's such a yeah, I love that song. I, like, that song alone is what that, got me that, into the series. That,
0: that theme, so too, Dragon Quest, is, like, it's, it's so iconic.
1: Exactly. It, no matter how many times I hear it, it just gets better and better. Oh, and that it, game. Like, I, I
0: swear, Dragon Quest 8, hearing, hearing it in the oh, orchestra.
1: The orchestra, yeah! Oh! Okay. Whenever you talk about Dragon Quest, I will be right back. <laughs> you better invite me, but yeah. oh yes, um, oh
0: oh, I I Dragon Quest seven and eight, I I have to have a I, I'm going to have a if the Dragon Quest was are going to be it's going to be a hard one, um, and I probably got to probably team up with some people to see how we should talk how we should go ahead and discuss it, but Dragon mm-hmm. Quest eight. Oh my goodness! I, I think I'm waiting for that one to come out before we have that discussion. Oh, Fuad, you are invited definitely on the shelf for that Dragon Quest discussion. <laughs> I'm Dragon happy Quest. To hear it. Oh my goodness! Dragon Quest Eight. Um, since I played it on the PS2, the soundtrack from the time you put the uh, the CD in and press power on to the end of the game is phenomenal. It has it. Hearing that game, the orchestra the voice acting is mind
1: blowing good oh my god we we could probably go on about that game for okay, years yeah but yeah, I, I put yeah. It on, <laughs> anyway yeah I'll right, put on
0: I'll put it on uh a date and we'll talk about dragon quest yeah we're we're gonna be oh. turning to dragon quest, yes, but sure. go ahead. Oh, Um, oh, um, yeah, me and Amanda was talking about that. If they did a Fire Emblem uh, Emblem, uh, Orchestra concert and, uh, like, the Legend of Zelda one is done over with, and they decide to bring the uh, Fire Emblem concert to America and Canada or Europe and stuff, oh, I'm paying money to go see that. Like, I told Amanda that I have to buy my ticket day one and take that day off because if I don't, those tickets are going to sell out. If if people Boy. really care about Fire Emblem and the music in that game, you will want to buy a ticket.
1: Absolutely. it's The music in that game is just phenomenal. Oh. Um, there actually is a concert in Japan and um, fun fact, Sakurai was a guest of honor uh, who went to uh, the concert and he commented that uh, Roy's game is still his favorite. He still really likes um, Six uh, Sword of Seals and a week later is when they announced Roy for Super Smash Bros. Uh, for Wii U and 3DS. Oh, nice. So, that's actually a fun little, like, Timbit. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the music as well as definitely the characters. Yes. I can, like, every single game has an iconic character for me from Hector, Eliwood, Marth. Um, Frederick in Awakening is actually one of my favorite characters from Awakening. Yeah, he's I love, good. I like, love him. Uh, his critical line, where he's like, "Pick a god and pray," like that's ah! still the most badass thing I've ever heard in any game. I
0: could just, oh. I could just come to Canada and hug you, cause yes, <laughs> oh, I, I that I forgot all about that line. But my favorite, cause my favorite line is uh, the gods. Like every time they say <laughs> gods, that I, every time they say that, I just got so happy. And sometimes I'd be at work and something would happen, and I'd be like, the gods. <laughs> Everybody be like the what? <laughs> I'm like, oh, dastard. I'm sorry. You gotta have to play this game to understand, or I'll get happy. Be like the gods. <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to bring that That's back awesome. one day.
1: It's become a fun inside joke. I gotta say, oh, right, Am- we can bring uh, it
0: back. Look, Amanda brought up dastard. I think, she's, or
1: yeah, dastards. Yeah,
0: dastards. Oh, I love. I, uh pick a god and pray.
1: Oh, that was
0: That's... that line. I I lost my mind. I love that line.
1: Yeah, like, like, and stuff like that. Every yes. single character becomes incredibly iconic. Even, like, um, I honestly think Corin is a very strong character in Fates. I love the way he functions. I love uh, his choices in the story. When I'm not choosing something for him, uh-huh. I still, like, can stand behind what he does. Um, can
0: I say I love this character art? I love how, I love his design. Him and, I and, love and, it. Him in his dragon form, I'm like, oh! When I seen him because he wasn't revealed in the game until uh Smash Brothers uh Wii U, like when they revealed it with Bayonetta, uh, when I seen him and seen his dragon, I'm like, oh, this is the main character from Fate. Oh, that's amazing! Like I, I mm-hmm. would, I, and I still haven't seen nobody. I need to look up and see anyone cosplay that, cosplay as him because oh, he I'm just sure. looks. He looks amazing. And I still to this every day, I love his artwork. I love his design. But go ahead. Um,
1: yeah, I was going to say, I have a friend who uh, uh, custom makes uh, wall scrolls, like wall posters. Uh-huh. And um, I asked him to make a bunch of the Smash Bros. Uh, character art uh, things. So looking in front of me right now, I have Mega Man, Greninja, um, Shulks, Robin and Lucina's, Palutena's, and Clouds. And behind me... I have one for Bayonetta and one for Corrin and the Corrin one stands on a wall of its own. And I honestly think that art is like gorgeous and I love the way it looks. And, um, I was also so excited for Corrin that like, I, I, so yeah, I used to play smash competitively and, um, beginning this year was when I kind of slowed down with competitive smash. But, uh, i kept telling myself like i need a new character but none of these characters are like working with me and i saw the way corin plays and i was like that's the one i'm going to get good with corin so for a month and a half uh when corin came out i sat down with him and like uh now with my friends uh they always tell me to like use corin just because like i lose with everyone else (laughs) but the second i pick corin i always win and i don't mean to sound like like bragging like i'm pretty sure if A lot of people are better than me and can easily stomp me. But in my group of friends, I can always win if I pick Corrin. And, like, having him in Smash as well as Fates, like, two games I happen to play often lately, like, it it makes me, like, much more attached to the character.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: So if there's two things I got to say, like, I love about Fire Emblem, it's the music and the characters. One thing I actually really don't like about the series is um, I have a love and hate relationship with permadeath and because it's built up as like oh you're not a real fan unless you like play uh with permadeath on uh, first off i think that's bullshit play however you want and enjoy yes. a game the way you want to enjoy it second i'm terrible with peer pressure so i always force myself <laughs> to, to leave uh permadeath on and uh because people say that and whereas like my better judgment says no. Nope, you can be a fan if you don't use it out loud. I say, hell yeah, I'm a real fan. I'll I'll totally beat conquest on hard mode and lunatic, and, and that's oh, weird because you and you and Amanda do that,
0: and I'm to, and I'm sitting here like I'm still trying to fear, beat the original version like the normal mode, and that to me personally, I get happy that you say that because that's dedication, and I, and and to me that shows how. Um, how much fandom you have for this game? How much love and respect that you have in this game? Yes, you can Absolutely. you can hate prim- you can hate permadeath, um, uh, but my thing is, if you're going to invest, it, it kind of teaches you about real life. Like, if you invest in something and you don't take care of it, when you lose it, you're going to be upset at yourself. mm Hmm. And that's how true. And that's how you feel in Fire Emblem. If you invest all this time and experience points and, and this grinding and everything into a character, and because you make a mistake, because you just don't, you just think something's not going to happen to him, or you don't really be cautious. Once you lose it, you got to be mad at yourself because you didn't, you didn't plan it out right, and the blame should be on you.
1: Exactly. I I hate it because. It makes a game really, really hard, but I love it because it's an interesting function and it makes Fire Emblem what it is. That's what Fire Emblem is. When I bring up the name, the first thing people think of as a gameplay mechanic is, oh, that game with permadeath where, like, I lose a unit forever. And it's such a staple to the series now. So while I do hate it, I love it for what it is. And it definitely adds a lot of agency on the player because you work as a tactician and these people die from your mistakes. Never once have I blamed a Fire Emblem game on, like, I've never once blamed the game when I messed up. I knew it was me that messed up. The same way, like, if you mess up Mega Man's jump, he has such a clear path and, like, arc to his jump, you know it's your fault and you can't blame the game. Uh, I feel that way about Fire Emblem. If I messed up, that was all me, and... It makes me even more frustrated, but it makes me even more motivated to get back to it.
0: Yes, I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely. So okay. so even,
1: even then, the one thing I hate about the series is pretty good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, uh, what did you think about the mobile game that's coming soon? I'm not going to play it. I'm, I love my uh, – like, I'm not even playing Pokemon Go. Like, I, I just can't do – i just can't do the mobile thing i love mitomo mitomo was fine i i i'm on it uh i'm cool with it i love that but like pokemon go and this fire emblem game i which i don't have no information about um they just feel like games that i'd rather play on my 3ds or my console like i get the value that i get from paying for a 40 dollar game on a 3ds Uh, with with like Pokemon or Fire Emblem. It's going to provide me with much more entertainment and much more discussion than this mobile game. But what do you think about the mobile game, like it being uh, made for as a game?
1: So that's another thing I've been talking to a lot of people about lately with um, Pokemon Go how whenever i look at pokemon go i'm not a mobile gamer so i'll look at it and be like it's it's neat it's fun but the more i see it the more i want to grab my 3ds and play through like another pokemon game again it makes me want to go back to red and blue or my personal favorites diamond and pearl heart gold and soul silver i really enjoyed x and y and it makes me want to like relive these fond memories of pokemon and i end up like forgetting about the app um i feel like fire emblem will make me do the same thing i'm excited but i'm also intrigued because considering how popular pokemon go is right now it's it's astonishing like people who never once said they liked pokemon are suddenly playing it and they can recognize pokemon other than pikachu which like the people around me never were like that until now and it's it's crazy yeah never once with a trend have i been able to step outside my door and actually see it So, like, whenever something becomes popular, I hear about it on the internet, I hear about it in the news, but I never... It's, like, with Pokemon Go, it's tangible. Like, I myself can see for what it is how popular it is. And Fire Emblem itself as an IP is not nearly as popular or relevant as Pokemon. So, I'm wondering, how popular is this app going to get? And how popular is it going to make the Fire Emblem series? Because um, at the rate Awakening and Fates went, like, it, it's big numbers for the Fire Emblem series, but compared to something like Pokemon or Animal Crossing, which both have and or are getting apps, it's not nearly as, like, relevant, considering the numbers. If, if Fire Emblem sold 100,000 copies, Pokemon's probably sold 3 million. That kind of comparison. So I want to see... The popularity the Fire Emblem app brings, I personally, myself, will check it out, but I most likely won't get attached to it, just like Go. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah, I guess if one word could summarize how I feel about it, it's, I'm curious.
0: Cause you, uh, if Fire Emblem mobile game has problems like Pokemon Go is having now, it's not even oof. worth, it's not worth doing it. It, to me personally, that's true it's not worth doing it i rather just wait to be like oh there's a nintendo directive then it's decides to decide to continue to do that oh they got a new fire emblem oh this animation looks good oh i need to hurry up get to uh game or i need to know when this game's out right now so i could buy it and that's how kind of how i feel about fire emblem like now mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like i'm hooked because like whatever they show i'm going to support it um uh, and i just feel like the mobile game just doesn't do nothing for me. It it just uh i can understand that it's going to get a lot of people into it and doing more but i i don't know. i just me. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I don't know. That's that's all we can really say because we have no information but at the same time i've never i myself have never been wowed by a mobile game and i've never been invested in a mobile game. Um the closest I ever got, ironic enough, was a mobile game called Sonic Runners. And it was basically an endless runner with Sonic, and you can yeah. play as different characters. It, like, it retained my attention for longer than five minutes, and that in itself is, like, the most I've ever invested in a mobile app. So seeing these IPs I personally love, like Pokemon, Animal Crossing, and Fire Emblem get apps, I can't help but feel a weird dissonance. Like... I sure do love these games, but do I love them enough to see them in these bare bones states?
0: Ah, well we will just see in the future. We'll, um, but we'll with have that to see. <laughs> but with that, everybody, that is the show. Um uh, it, what you would what would you like to plug? Uh, go ahead. It's all up on you.
1: Sure. Um I'm actually working on YouTube stuff at the moment. Uh, you can subscribe to me at Henshinagogo. Uh, that is the channel name. Um, you can also uh, find me on Twitter do you Henshin go on uh,
0: you, you catching my heart with, with Henshinagogo like I keep thinking of Beautiful Joe every time <laughs> and I
1: love oh I
0: love that game I love Beautiful Joe oh but go ahead I'm Oh sorry. man,
1: we'll have to talk I'm looking for opinions on a script but I will let you know yeah that's about everything for me though
0: <laughs> so yeah check him out on YouTube uh, follow him on Twitter at Henshinagogo or is it underscore is it
1: Yes, there are underscores between on both sides of the A.
0: Okay, so Henshin underscore go underscore go. Go.
1: Yeah. Yes. That's the one.
0: All right. And you can check me out here on Optional Opinion at the anomalous radio You also can uh, subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or any other. Uh, uh, the podcast app um, You can also check out World 1-1 Podcast Which I host with Adrian Nieto That me and Fouette uh, Do the MVC Real Game Book Club with And Larry uh, Giver Check that show out here On SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play And Archive.org I didn't mention that in part 1 But it is um, World 1-1 Podcast it is on Archive.org um, you can follow me on Twitter at that retrocode, T-H-A-T-R-E-T-R-O-C-O-D-E. Um, you can follow me, uh, on my Facebook page under Edward Rinell, E-D-W-A-R-D, capital V, as in Victor, A-R-N-E-L-L. Um... Follow uh, email the show. We want to hear your thoughts about what you think about Fire Emblem Fates awakenings. Any of the series, the music, anything. Is full wrong about Fire Emblem Fates? Uh, let me know. I think he's right. I I love your opinion. I oh, I I really thanks, cannot man. like you. I get. I'm so happy I gave you a platform to express yourself. Uh, because it's. It's good to know these things going in because when I start conquest, I'm probably gonna be like, "Okay, forward, I see everything that you say, and I agree a hundred, hundred five percent with you." Uh, mm-hmm. So I can't wait to play that. But you can email the show at my up two comment at yahoo.com that's n-y-o-p the number 2 c-o-m-m-e-n-t at yahoo.com season 4 of optional opinion officially starts next week so you guys please tune in to that there will be new music new topics um kind of not a new format but uh you'll be able to find out what the theme is uh in the main title uh for the episodes so kind of changing things up um the plugs in the in optional opinion now is going to have its own section. There's about Whoa. seven, dude. There's about seven podcasts that I am plugging now. Like seven, wow, seven to nine podcasts I'm plugging. So I have to. Do you
1: keep a checklist by you? Like, all right, plug this one. Got this one. Oh, forgot this one.
0: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So i well. I'm actually writing Going to be writing it out. And uh when it comes to that part, I'm gonna read everything the way that I wrote it out. Like uh there's my podcast my two podcasts, um uh, Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce, Simon's Cake, the MVC of your Game Book Club, uh Digital Nerds Advocate. I do like three shows with them, uh the DNA wow. uh power block dna door shock uh dna nurse gone wrong sometimes um i have phoenix overdrive life is gaming and playstation enthusiasts uh secret friends united uh, and then just like other stuff like dude there there is a lot so i'll be uh, the uh um the Deluded Geeks, which is my friends podcast, uh that I'm on whenever we get to it. Um like so I have a lot to plug and stuff. And then I um, I gotta plug like your show um on uh like their youtube page uh i gotta plug just a whole bunch of people holy crap Uh, Twitch, i gotta plug like because i'm doing a let's (laughs) do i'm doing uh i'm doing a let's learn coming in i've been trying it out and i haven't been really on it but i'm about to like probably in october i'm gonna start uh you know, and because my first one is going to be teaching about combos, because I still got to buy DMC, uh, Never May Cry. So I'm going to be teaching combos, um, uh, how to do them, where I, where they came about. Like I did a podcast about combos, but I'm trying to show like in a fighting game and something like of an action game and stuff like that. So I'm gonna teach people how to do them, like teach them how like l- let's learn how to play a certain game or a certain genre. So I'm going to mm-hmm. be doing like that, that kind of stuff. So I'm be plugging all of that and still like my writings and everything. So yeah, I have a lot to plug. So, um, thank you everybody. <laughs> have a great week. <laughs> have a great weekend. Thank you once again for it, um, Absolutely. for joining me. Thanks for uh, listening. Oh, I I completely enjoyed this. Thank you, also Amanda. Um, once again, I apologize, everybody, about the sound quality of me and Amanda's uh show. Um, it was up to Google. We were working just fine, and then Google just started messing it up. But we was already into the show, so um, you guys do. I want to thank you once again. Uh, Hopefully, Amanda, you can come back also for the Dragon Quest discussion if you're into Dragon Quest. Uh, But, Fuya, I will have you for that because when we get into that game, it's it's going to be just... A discussion beyond discussion I still got the Skyward Sword discussion still coming soon part like part two of it so I gotta get that together also. oh I
1: can't wait for that oh
0: did oh <laughs> me uh me and Anthony uh no not me and Anthony me and George from Simon's Cake we did part one so we talked about it so let me know whenever you want to have a discussion about it and I would okay. I would do a part two with you cause I'm uh George is gonna come back in order to do that so I might have you two guys I still need to get told Tony, Johnny, Johnny. I still need to get everybody who really want to talk about that game. So I need to do a part two. Like for sure. Soon. So, um, also <laughs>
1: me when. link me to part one.
0: Uh, yeah, I will. I will link you to part one. Also, everybody, coming up in September, I'm doing the Beauty of Video Games part, volume two. And this year, is going to be about genres. So I'm doing platformers, sports games, and role-playing games. And I will have special guests, and you will be able to read a lot of the uh, those uh, blogs on IGN.com in September. I um, haven't had an official date yet, but those will be coming soon. So do check those out. And with that, everybody, have a great weekend. Have a great week overnight. You hear this, and we will talk to you later. We are out. The God, bye, bye. <laughs>